Hello and welcome back to another episode of Manatapped. My name is Chris. And I'm Kurt. And this week we are going to be talking about the uh, Final Fantasy VII remake. Which is just fucking awesome. So yeah. There's that. Uh, so I, I have some, a kind of a general structure for this, if that you're down with that. Okay. So I figured we could start with just general impression, which I guess I gave mine, but I think it's fucking awesome. I thought it was really good. Yeah, I thought it, I thought it was really good too. I never played the game, so the or the original Final mm-hmm. Fantasy. So this is a neat way to introduce new players into Final Fantasy. True, seven. although it, al- although it's like I started playing actual the the original the original one, and all the shit that happens in the remake is like twenty minutes. Oh yeah, it's it's like the first. The only thing you're really playing for this whole game is just the first hour, two hours of the original game. Yeah. But, I mean, other than a couple points where I think they kind of slowed things down a little too much, I thought they knocked it out of the park. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I am somebody who's played the original game. I would even go out on the limb to say that this game, the, the remake, is made even better if you have played the original game. Hmm. Just because I, I like, I also am speaking not from a, a position of nostalgia on it because I didn't play the original until senior year of high school, so kind of uh, not like a, oh I played it as a ch- you know my childhood it wasn't one that I played yeah so one of our friends let me borrow his PS3 <laughs> senior year of high school shout out to Jacob yep we love you Jake I miss you <laughs> but yeah so like my my view on this is very much. Based in adulthood, I guess you could say. Okay. So yeah. I was 18 when yeah. I played it, so. Becoming. I definitely have matured even since then, because it's been fucking. At that point, it was what? 10 years? Yeah, that was 12 years ago. Yeah, it's 12 years ago now. But I will say, playing the remake made me love the original game more, too. So they kind of have an interesting sort of symbiosis of playing the original game made me appreciate the remake. That's a what, lot. yeah. That's what I'm hearing a lot from everybody who's been playing the remake. Mm-hmm. That they're appreciating the original game even more, or and then playing the remake. Like so, yeah, playing the original made me appreciate the remake more, and then playing the remake made me appreciate the yeah. original more. Like I actually started playing the remake, got through the first two chapters, I think, and then stopped. And I was like, no, I want, and I re- literally went back. And replayed the original all the way through <laughs> and then finished the remake because I, I couldn't I, I my playthrough of the first time of the original game was maybe a little cynical, I guess you could say, because I'd already had the the big spoiler happen. Yeah. And so I just I didn't let myself get immersed into the story because obviously when you know that a character is going to die, you don't want to become attached to them. Yeah. So. <laughs> I was just, like, playing the game, and I was very blasé about everything. Whereas playing the remake, even just the beginning of it, made me think, okay, there's something here. I know this game has a huge love and support behind it. Let's maybe try again. Mm-hmm. And I think it helped that... Fuck, I can't remember the, the, the YouTuber's name that I watched, that he had a whole video about the game, about the original game. And went into talking about Aerith and his sort of slowed down view of her 
made me, when I went back, appreciate her character a hell of a lot more. And I actually kept her in the party and you know, interacted with her a lot more. And Yeah. So I guess we are coming from two two different directions on it, but yeah, that should make for good discourse. Yeah, but overall, my general impression is that it was amazing and made me love FF Seven so much more. And your thoughts? Yeah. So Final Fantasy Seven, I've always wanted to play it, but I've never really had any ability to. Like I've never, I think. PlayStation 4 was my first PlayStation since the first one. I mean, you had the first one. But yeah, I, I, I had the first but one. But then at this point, I'm, finding a copy that's not exorbitantly expensive is almost yeah. impossible. Plus, like, I mean, back then my PlayStation 1 got stolen, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah whatever. So I, I've never really had an option to play it mm-hmm. up until my brother-in-law for Christmas one year got me the... I call it the PlayStation throwback or whatever the little mini oh yeah yeah and I saw Final Fantasy 7 was on there I was like oh tight but I'd never really booted just, it up on there yeah I, I only played Persona 1 huh. yeah listen to the guy go ah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and finally experiencing the story is really nice yeah I only got like little hints of it from I mean, it's been out for... When did the game come out? Uh, the remake? No, the original. The original? 1997. 97, yeah. Yep. So I was, we are just in kindergarten. Yeah. Kindergarten, first grade. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. So, I'd like, my little dumbass wouldn't... Oh, well, yeah, at that age, we would not have yeah. appreciated it anywhere near what yeah. it deserves, considering that it is a very adult story, all things considered. Yeah, then I got, like... Everybody older than me telling me Final Fantasy VII is their childhood game. It's the game that. Oh yeah, it's it's it, introduced a whole generation of the Western audience to the JRPG. Genre. Yeah. So, like my cousin was saying, Final Fantasy VII is one of his favorite games. I'm like, wow, maybe I should check that out. Never really had the chance to until I got a PlayStation Five, and I played the remake since it was free. And I was like, whoa, this game is tight. It makes me want to play the original. So, slowly but surely, I'm playing the original. I'm taking it. It's worth it. It yeah. is really worth it. I'm taking it a little bit at a time. <laughs> but, like I said before, I suck at video games. I mean, this is one that you can definitely grind levels if you want to and get strong. And there, I mean, there's ways to get around a lot of stuff. The materia system is in the original is extremely customizable oh really so, oh yeah you yeah. can you can make some really cool builds so in that game yeah so i'm doing the same thing that i did with lost odyssey where i'm just grinding out levels that way i can experience the story we'll have to talk about that game sometime i haven't played oh, it in so long but i yeah, fucking love dude that i don't even know where my copy is pretty sure i have mine in a box somewhere so i think courtney still has mine <laughs> <laughs> yeah so well i hope you enjoyed as you go that's that's another Final Fantasy on your list that you need to <laughs> to play. Yeah. So I, my my next bit is uh, visuals. I think they knocked it out of the park. Amazing. Visually. Yeah. Uh, other than like a couple points where maybe some texture problems, but I mean those are so minor and in just not constant issues. I guess I could say. I so uh, yeah, and I think I... they fixed it in one of the later like updates. So. 
I, I, I haven't I played the really game experienced in a while now, it. but there's like one point I can think of where you're looking out over a landscape and the texture for the landscape wasn't great. Huh. But the characters, the characters are gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, the, I mean, all of the, the environments are all beautiful. And just, you see, going from all of those pre-rendered images, or like still images, from the original game, you can almost one-to-one the entire game. Yeah. And see the points where it is, and be like, oh, oh, oh! It's basically, it's a game that rewards you for paying attention to the details. Because the designers paid attention to all the details. Yeah. So, I think that the, the visuals, they just... They knocked it out of the park. Anything you want to add on that one? I think I logged like 77 hours in that game. And just like Elden Ring, I was just admiring. <laughs> just walking around looking at yeah, stuff. Yeah, I was just looking at stuff. It, it was neat. Like, um, what's that one sector? The one with um, the club. Uh, the Night Market, I think? Yeah. The, Wal- no, Wall Market. Wall Market. Yeah. Yeah, I was just walking around Wall Market looking at things it's like it's a it's a gross grungy place but it's kind of weirdly beautiful in an urban yeah. way yeah like, yeah like it's not a place that it's like wholesome in any way but at the same time it just has that sort of uh i don't know maybe it, it makes me think of downtown la in the middle of the night yeah <laughs> which yeah it's, it, it's something close to home like, <laughs> i guess for us it's, it's kind of uh, it's not bad but it's it has its own unique feel to it for yeah sure. uh yeah you know i'll, I'll agree with you Let's see so i think the next the next two will definitely be longer subjects i, I kind of picked those two as just quick things that we could get out of the way and then so the next one is story and i i love the story yeah uh, this is one of one of my favorite final fantasy games it during 2020 it actually had become my final favorite final fantasy game which is Pretty crazy, considering that FF10 has held that title for a long time, because it was my first FF game, and that generally is your favorite. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know, the the story of 7 just... And I'm meaning you, the original game. This, okay. this, this game just has, like I said, it made the original game better for me. Just, there's such a, a depth of, of character... And, I mean, the plot is, you could argue, is very generic. A bad guy wants to destroy the world. Yeah. But because of the way that it is so very character-driven, it makes it... And the world, even, too. The world is so interesting. you got the, the sort of magic punk, I guess you could say? Yeah. Yeah, it's it, definitely... It's, it's a very much the, the, the Final Fantasy love to mix technology and magic and fantasy with sort of modern ish technologies and like i love it like that, yeah. that the, the i love the aesthetic of the game yeah because you have midgard you have the whole city that is just this technological wonder but it is destroying the planet in the process and then you go once you leave it in the original game you come across all of the small little towns that feel very fantasy town and so it's just kind of interesting to go back and forth between them but it never feels unnatural and then you have like the golden saucer yeah and like uh there's the town where you meet sid in the original where there's literally a fucking 
space shit like spaceship a space shuttle that they were in the middle of preparing <laughs> like oh yeah like huh. i'm sorry if that's a spoiler for you but it's a thing i'm not gonna say anything more because who knows what happens but yeah it's just it they somehow managed to sort of seamlessly blend magic and technology in a way that's just neat and it kind of it, it it turns this you know, a lot of the magic to almost mundane in a way, and yet yeah. at the same time you still have those incredible magical elements. Like the summons yeah. are incredible in in the remake and the original. So yeah, I just I find the story is really good because you have these characters who you want to see succeed, and which, I mean my next point was just characters. So I mean we can kind of almost interchangeably talk about them, I think. But I guess we also kind of already brought it up, but one of the bits that I had was just your favorite chapter or, like, section of the game. And so mine is probably... Well, I was going to say Wall Market, that whole bit. Uh-huh. But it is actually when Cloud falls into the church with Aerith. Yeah. And it's just because I love their dynamic. Yeah. Which can lead into favorite character was the other one of the other bits that I have for character which Aerith is my favorite character and it just has to do with her being she's such a sweet person but she's got such a sassy side and then just the way that she is with Cloud where she does not let him get away with anything she just fucking teases him relentlessly yeah it's just it's fun that and there's the whole bit where She's climbing the. They're they're kind of going through the side way out of the church, and she's climbing the ladder, and she's like, "You don't have to treat me like I'm such a princess." And the ladder breaks, and she's just like, "Shit!" <laughs> I don't know. Just n- nobody expected Aerith to say shit, and it's great. Yeah, I, Aerith is one of my favorites. I think um, the remake made me like Barrett. Oh, dude! I, I well, I was, that was a thing I was gonna bring up, but go ahead. Yeah, like Barrett. <laughs> I was already drawn to his character, mm-hmm. but the way he's just brash and he doesn't give a shit what he says. There's that, but then there's also where he is almost like proselytizing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He well, he, know- he he has his goal. Yeah, he he's thinking and he knows what, like what he has to do. Yeah, but he just doesn't. Give he a just shit. has no filter. Yeah, and I I think I like that, just because he reminds me of. Uh, one of my friends, Gio, who like <laughs> Gio doesn't give a shit. He'll say whatever. <laughs> Fair enough. Tall cop to suck his dick. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I think that's why I liked Barrett in Fair. the movie. Yeah. I, I was going to say that I think that the character who has gotten the most out of the remake is Barrett. Yeah. And it's just because the the remake, you don't have to decide which two characters you're going to bring with you. For the general everything, you get to have Barrett along and get his reaction to everything. You get, because of the remake having everybody together, for the most part, you get to have everybody's reaction to things. Yeah. Rather than just the two characters you pick. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry to all of the big brash dudes out there, but you, you give me the option between big brash dude and two cute girls, I'm going to pick the girls. Yeah. And I don't think that they would... I think they would pick the girls instead of me, so I don't feel too bad about it, but... Yeah. Yeah. I just... In the original game, generally, I didn't take Barrett with me on 
things because I have other characters that I can pick that maybe I liked a little more. I don't know. Like, but, uh, yeah. But I mean, it, but it's funny though because like I've seen stuff from Barrett in the original game. Like I've just watched other people's yeah. playthroughs or things like that. And Barrett is the same character. It's actually kind of crazy just how much you miss by not having him in the party. Yeah, well, I would I would never know that because, I mean, I took Barrett out of my party because I thought he was kind of weak. I He's actually it, pretty solid when you get the right material yeah, and whatnot on him. But not, but regardless, like, yeah. it's just his character, I think, just he shines so much and his voice actor just kills it. So, yeah, I I, I played through it on English. I don't know if you did. I did. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, really good. I, oh, yeah. The, the English voice acting was amazing. They, yeah. they knocked it out like they everybody just brought their a game i think yeah it's hard not to love the characters once you once you have a voice to them and they're not and they're not just lego people yeah <laughs> uh, i think that that is one of the other reasons i say that the remake makes the original better because you can read the dialogue which is kind of 90s dated for sure because it was a, a, a localization from the 90s for sure <laughs> but you you have that general character you can still get the feel for the characters i mean obviously you would because that game is well loved and if it wasn't well written and for being a story driven game then yeah i don't think it would have been as popular yeah so what you have now is just by having the the remake and giving these characters full really pretty <laughs> character models and giving them voices that are well acted, you create a much bigger attachment to the characters. Yeah. Which I will say, spoilers for anybody who has not played the original and has never been on the internet, but all I could think during the entire time I was playing the remake as I was getting to know Aerith in the remake was, fuck, this is going to hurt when she dies. Yeah, yeah. Like, holy shit, all I could think was, I love her. Like, literally, just, man, I love her. I really do not want her to die. Like, I... I just legitimately do not want Aerith to die in the room. Yeah, uh, she's just so so sweet and so wholesome and so wonderful. And I just I just want to hang out with her. Like if I'm being entirely honest, I would just like to hang out with her. She seems like she would be fun to hang out with. I playing the game. I I really didn't notice on how much I was getting attached to the characters. Mm -hmm. Like I I don't know. Usually when I play a story game, I'm like. I don't care. But as shit starts happening, and then you realize, and, yeah. oh man, I don't want anything bad to happen to them. Yeah, like I, I started, I started getting into invested into Barrett because, uh, oh man, this guy's got to live. He has a little girl he needs oh, yeah. to take care of, and little Marley. Yeah, and then Tifa, she's not like some weird bartender. She's actually oh, no. very caring and incredibly. Yeah, and there, oh, there's. Ah, I can't talk to you about it because you haven't finished the original game. Because there's, I'm pretty sure you're not at the point where you know some of the stuff. Very spoilers for the end of the original game. So, there's just some stuff about her and Cloud that is, it's very much telegraphed in the remake that was missing in the original. That if you know it, it's like, oh wow, that's that is some incredible little touches. But I don't know. I don't. I guess if you want me to spoil yeah. it, I can. Yeah. But so basically the whole thing is Cloud 
when he talks to her about how it's been like seven years since the last time they met, it hasn't been like uh, it's it's kind of the, the timeline's kind Are of they weird. Pod children? No. Um, oh. But Cloud basically he she didn't see him the last time th- that he's thinking of because he thinks he's Zach partially. Oh, okay. No, so I, I know about he got that. experimented on and had the Genova cells yeah. injected into him, and basically his memory is all fucked. Yeah. So she found him basically sitting in the refuse pile by outside the train station. So he's talking about how the last time, and basically he started to act like Zack. That's actually what, throughout all of this, Cloud is acting more like Zack than Cloud. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very much in the original, too. Like, the, the original has it almost even worse, because they gave Cloud a little bit more of an arc, even just in this game, than he has... I mean, he has an arc throughout the original game, too, don't get me wrong, but it's just his sort of softening... You see it during the remake, that he he kind of opens up, and he and Barrett have their dynamic shift, where they they do trust each other by the end, yeah. and you know, they they still jibe at each other and, and jab, but it's not bad-intentioned anymore. It's not... They're not actually trying to get under each other's skin, they're actually just throwing Funky banter. Fun. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're throwing banter back and forth. Yeah. Because they have come to respect each other. That's kind of a very much sped up arc for Cloud. Okay. Because in the original it takes a while and then eventually he does find himself again. Which, I mean, this kind of leads into the idea that this is not actually uh, a true remake. Yeah. It's more like a... a Maximilian dude called it a requel. Where yeah. It's like they... It's like a reboot, but also a sequel. <laughs> so it ha- there's some weird time shenanigans going on. And there's just little bits here and there that kind of hint that this is not necessarily the original game being fully re... It's not. It's almost like it's not a reboot. It is an actual remake. Like, they're remaking the game. Yeah. As opposed to... What was... I think it it's was... like the plot ghosts are not a thing in the originals. I think it was Aerith that had, like, some weird vision. Cloud has them a number of was times. It? It's like, because he sees a vision of her dying. Okay. When they first meet in the church, she yeah. talks about her materia that's not good for anything. And then he has the vision of the materia falling down the steps in the temple. Yeah. And then I think a little, yeah. And then a little later on when he's trying to ditch her to go to, to back to sector seven, he has, she says something kind of sassy. And then he has a vision of him carrying her into the water. Yeah. And yeah, cloud keeps having these visions of shit to come. Cause yeah. he also has the vision later on with red 13 of seeing the end of the original game where you have Red 13 with his little cubs. And so there's a lot of hints that, as well as even just the plot ghosts themselves, the, the arbiters of fate. Oh, yeah, they are plot ghosts. That, <laughs> yeah, they're plot ghosts. But it's funny, because the, what they're doing is they are trying to enforce the original story. Yeah. Whereas our characters seem to be dead set on diverging from the original story at points, because... The, the decisions they're making at times seem much more rational yeah. than some of the decisions made in the original. So it's just kind of a... I, I generally, something so meta is usually not a thing that I like, and it's kind of questionable at points here, but if nothing else, I will say that at the very end, after they defeat the plot ghosts, basically, 
the the idea of they have been set free from fate is kind of a thing where it's like, holy fuck, if they just decide to go in a new direction with this, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Because it was a thing that I was always a little bit questionable on, that you remake this game one-to-one, pretty much, and everybody knows that how the game goes. Yeah. Like, there's not going to be really anything new to discover or anything. So, yeah, it'll be pretty, but it's just kind of a paint-by-numbers, I guess you could say. Yeah. So, this freed them quite a bit to try to diverge things. And the developers have come out and said, it's going to follow the same general story, but we'll see. <laughs> and... I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I they they gained a lot of good faith with this release. So I am willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm, the next game will definitely be a big guidepost. Yeah. As to the whole the thing, but I'm I'm stoked to see on where it goes. I am uh, too. I I mean, I was left with this whole after coming to that big realization of oh my god, they could change things if they want to now. Yeah. Like, as well as seeing all those flashbacks, I was thinking like maybe, maybe they could change something. Like maybe, yeah. Although maybe Eric doesn't have to die at the end. Maybe. But, well, she doesn't die at the end of the original game. It's like in the first third. Are you serious? Yeah. God damn. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, oh, I, yeah I didn't even. I didn't even make it. Oh, you didn't get to that point. It's the I, end of the I, first I disc, so it's a three disc game, if I remember right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she does at the end of the first disc. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even make it out oh, of it's, Midgar. Um, so it's a, it's a thing where... Fuck, I can't remember the name of... I can't remember if it was the... The, the scenario designer. I can't remember whose name it is. Uh-huh. He, during the production of this game, or even before, he had lost his mother. Oh. And so he was dealing with the mourning process. And basically he decided to integrate that feeling of loss into the game where you lose Aerith a third into the game and you don't get a replacement for her. Yeah. Like, she is a very powerful white mage. So a lot of people, especially if you don't know what's coming, invest in her because she's really good at healing. And then you lose her and it's just there's a hole in your party from then on. And you feel it, because you do not get another white mage to fill her spot. Yeah. A lot of games, if they kill a character, will give you, you know, here's their twin who is actually better than they were. Yeah. But this game doesn't, because they want you to feel that loss. And now I'm just thinking, like, fuck, I don't want to feel that loss in the remake, because she is such a... And she's an amazing character in the original, too. Like, her character is great. It's just... When you add in her a voice, and her voice actress is great, and all of the range of emotion you can see on her face as things are happening, and just, uh, yeah, man, that'll hurt. Like, that'll uh, hurt so much. So, let's cycle back to another favorite character mm-hmm. was Jess, and what's the other guy? Uh, Biggs or Biggs and Wedge? Wedge. So. Wedge, uh, Wedge is kind of the Charlie Sheen looking dude. No, I thought Biggs was. The oh no, you're Sheen right. Looking dude. Actually, no, you're right. That is. Yeah, like I'm fucking. T- I, it's also um, because the most recent FF I've been playing is 14, and there's a Biggs and Wedge in that. So, 
Biggs and Wedge are a, a staple of FF. It's oh, like really? it's like Sid. Okay. Yeah. There's because there's a few characters' names that will always be in Final Fantasy generally, uh-huh. which I guess you would not necessarily know, but Biggs and Wedge is a Star Wars reference. Oh, are they the because there's fucking there's there's two characters who are side characters in Star Wars. Uh, they're part of the Rebels. Are they? Are so they part? Biggs. Do, do Biggs they play the X wings? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so there's Biggs, Darklighter, and Wedge Antilles. Yeah. I think Biggs dies in the OG Star Wars. It's in Episode Four. Wedge doesn't because he's in he's part of the original trilogy. But yeah, they're just huh. side characters. They're just consistent side characters, and so I think that's why the FF creators just made them <laughs> a staple. Huh. A lot of the time, they'll work for Sid <laughs> as well, but it depends. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're just side characters, but they're consistent. They're there. Yeah. Oh well. All right. Yeah. So think about it even more. Biggs, Wedge, and Jess. Mm-hmm. I only. I remember them from um, the beginning of playing Final Fantasy VII. I lied. I actually did play a little bit of Final Fantasy VII on that PlayStation 1 uh-huh. flashback, but I only played the part where you get off the train, mm-hmm. and that's Just about the, it. Yeah, the, yeah the, so, the, so, the bombing so, mission. Yeah, I, I, I recognize those characters. I never mm-hmm. actually did the whole entire bombing mission. Only well, got you, the, have, you have now, but yeah. at the time you didn't. Yeah, I only did the part where you get off the train, you're talking a little bit, and then I would fall asleep, mm-hmm. as I do. Which... <laughs> <laughs> But. So I, I I recognize the characters, and then <laughs> playing through the remake, I started getting attached to them. I'm like, man, oh, you get there's so much more oh of them in the remake than God. there is in the original game, and they get to shine so much, and it just makes their event like the whole time as I'm getting like, oh, I like them. I'm just thinking, fuck, they all die. Yeah, because that's that's what happens in the original. I mean, we've got some questions at the end of the remake. The remake that looks M- like. The Biggs lived, and you do see Jesse's headband on the table next to Biggs. Oh, yeah! Really? If you remember how there was like a headband sitting on, oh, it's not. I didn't even think about that. It's not Biggs' headband. It's Jesse's. So well, my boy Wedge died. Yeah, poor Wedge. Fuck, man. Got thrown out of the building by plot ghosts. Yeah. Yeah, like fuck, I fucking plot ghosts bullshit. I really got attached to those characters. I mean, also, we got the fact that somehow Zack is alive in a weird alternate timeline. True. Which, that's a... I mean, dude, Zack's story is so fucking sad. Holy sh... He's a great character who just... Cause he, so, you've seen how Cloud is kind of the, the arrogant jackass. Yeah. That's almost like Cloud's projection of Zack. Because Zack was actually a really good person. He had that. He had confidence. He didn't have arrogance. Cloud puts on the arrogance. Zack was just like, he was a soldier first class. He was somebody who was that yeah. fucking awesome. But it's basically like Cloud is like a kid pretending to be somebody else. Yeah. And he's not a great version of Zack because the actual Zack was actually just a really cool dude. You you get more of Zack's story in there's the Crisis Core. Uh, game, which is on the PSP. Uh-huh. Another game that Jacob let me borrow. Thanks, Jake. Uh, and that's Shout like a it's, like, it's a, a prequel to FF7. 
and so it tells Zack's story. Okay, okay. And... So I, I was gonna ask, was there a game that elaborated on Zack's story? Yes, yeah, a lot of people seem to know the story of Zack. Well, you get a lot of it in the original too. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay. It's just it's told through some flashbacks, and it's very easily missable. Okay. But it's fucking tragic. Zack's death is next to Aerith's in being just heartbreaking. Because Zack dies protecting Cloud. Basically, they both got in, uh, experimented on by Dr. Hojo. And Zack did a lot better surviving mentally than Cloud did. So he's trying to get him and Cloud back to Midgar so that he can try to get to his you know, to superiors, to people who will probably not give him back to the scientists. But basically, you find out that all of Shinra is hunting them. So then... There's this whole bit, and it's the end of Crisis Core, so I guess spoilers for anybody who's playing Crisis Core, which that's another... It's another over 10-year-old game, so... But basically, you have this whole bit, which you've seen, actually, because you played the remake. That whole bit where there's all of the soldiers going up against him, yeah, all of them with their guns pointed at him, in the original, you... or in, in I mean, in the original, you get to see some of that scene, but in Crisis Core, you fight that. Oh, really? And it's just, you have, like, all of your mechanics that are sort of, like, tertiary to just straight up just attacking start to break. And oh. it's just this, as you're just taking more damage and you, you're playing Zack and he's getting slower and slug more sluggish, and you're just in this desperate bid to try to survive, and it's just a losing battle. It's um kind of reminiscent of in Halo Reach. If you remember at the very end, it's like... Fuck, were you Delta, I think, was the name of your character? Or <clears throat> Basically, you're stuck on the planet, and it's just kind of a fight the enemy until you die yeah. type deal. It's very similar to that, where it's just this very hopeless feeling of your health is not... Re- you're not healing, your health is not regenerating, it's just you are in a fight to the death. Yeah. And then... Yeah, and then Zack dies. But one of the big things you do find out... You even got a hint of it in the remake that Zack and Aerith were a couple previously. It's actually why she falls for Cloud initially. Yeah. Uh, so I got a, I got a hint of that from yeah. her saying she, or her mom saying she loved a soldier or something like that. Yeah. 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 He's actually, Zack is the one who got her to start selling flowers. Oh, okay. Huh. Yeah. The like crisis cord, it has its issues. Like the, the, the main overarching plot is, iffy but it definitely does a lot for fleshing out zach's character yeah and then yeah like also since you well I'll let you play through to get to how you find out what was going on with cloud during that time period but nevertheless it's just yeah zach was a great character though and he dies getting cloud you also find out in crisis core that the buster sword has a hell of a lot more history to it than it gets credit for and <laughs> The original and in the remake. Huh. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's a uh, it's a good game. It's a good good story. Let's see, I'm trying to think of other characters. I mean, yeah, like Big's Wedge and Jesse were fucking great, though. Yeah, uh, I, I, you know, the whole entire time that I was playing, I wanted to see. I didn't know on how far I was gonna go. Mm-hmm. I thought I was gonna cover the first half of Final Fantasy VII. So I oh, thought, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 
I, <laughs> dude, I did not know at all yeah. until I beat it. Like, I blocked out what everybody was saying, mm-hmm. or I guess I was reading, but actually wasn't reading what they were saying. <laughs> but the whole entire thing, like, I wanted to see the party get formed. Like, oh, you yeah. get, you gather everybody. You get quite a few of them. I, but, I remember. But FF7, like, the, when you start gathering your party, you get party members at Members, party members. members at very distinct and different points in the original, mm-hmm. and some of them are totally missable. Like, oh, really? in the original, yeah, in the original, Yuffie and Vincent are both easily missable if you don't know how to get them. Vincent is notoriously missable if you don't know how to get him. Yeah, but. he's so he's one of the um, people that I wanted to see. Introduce. Oh yeah. I have, well, he is a very popular character in in the the FF Seven series, so everybody is very excited to yeah, see Vincent I, get introduced. Well, yeah, I wanted to see like what the hell's his big deal. I remember when we were kids, me and you went to GameStop mm-hmm. to look for Dirge of Cerberus. I think we were like what in the seventh or eighth grade, something like that. Something like that. Apparently, and it's a you, fucking shit game. Yeah, you you want to get Dirge of Cerberus because I, Vincent looked cool, and I was like, oh, man, that guy kind of does look cool. He was my favorite character. Yeah. He's one of my favorite characters. I still like him a lot. His story is actually super sad. Yeah, I, like, I, I wanted to know, like, who the fuck is this guy? Why, like, why does he look so different? And, until I finally realized, like, oh, hey, that dog's actually in the party. Red 13. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize that. He's Red a character was... I was so excited to see more of. Because I, I just, I don't know why, but I just clicked with him on my first playthrough. I was like, you get the cool dog dude in your party? That's fucking awesome. And he was in my party for pretty much the rest of the game at that uh, point. Dude, I did but... not, I did not realize he was part, I thought he was a summon, to be honest. Nope. I was watching uh, Advent Children. Oh, yeah. But no, yeah, he's, well, because in Advent Children, you also have, uh, uh, Cat Sith or Kate Sith. So that's the little cat who was yeah, riding on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a party member. Is he? Yeah. He rides on like a big Moogle. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Oh, there's a whole bit with Kate Sith, like where you kind of find out. It's a toy being controlled remotely by somebody else. Oh. But. Okay. But yeah, no, Red 13 is is just a giant cat yeah. guy who's. Yeah, but, well, I keep wanting to say his real name, but I don't think you've gotten to that point. Nope. So I don't want to. I mean, not that it's a huge spoiler, but yeah, his name is Nanaki. But anytime, so anytime I see him, I'll be like Nanaki. <laughs> there he is. You can see him. Huh. Like in the remake, when you see him in like the little glass tube, I was like, oh, it's Nanaki. There he is. I can see him. <laughs> and he's being all kind of tsundere in the remake, and I'm like, I know your name. Don't you try to lie to me, <laughs> you silly, silly dog guy. You. He's so goose. Yeah, I'd like <laughs> lab rat dog. <laughs> I I really wanted to see where we got, where we picked everybody up, and was kind of like scoping things out. Like, all right, I know Sid's a staple character. You don't get Sid for quite a while. He's actually in that town that has yeah, the. Yeah, I, uh, I was waiting for the space shuttle. Yeah, I was waiting for like him to show up with, or him to show up and say like, "Let's get on the shit, buddies." Oh yeah, no, you don't meet Sid for quite a while in the uh, the original. Yeah, I, you've got some exploring to do before you get Sid. I was waiting to see him. I was waiting to see Vincent. 
was waiting for Yuffie. Yeah, Vincent is very much like you. There's a fucking process you have to go through to get Vincent. Huh. Yuffie. So well, that that was before I even knew that integrate. Yeah, in, in the was the only time that you get. Yuffie you get Yuffie in the, in the remake, yeah. I have not gotten to play Integrate, because obviously yeah, I don't I. have a PS5. But, yeah, in Yuffie in the original, like you literally find her in certain places as a random encounter. Huh. And then after you beat her, you're given, like, you get to talk to her. But if you screw up the dialogue, then she won't join you. You can still find her and fight her again, but then you have to just have to keep trying until you get the dialogue right. But, yeah, that's how you get her to join you. Huh. Yeah. So she's missable, but she's definitely easier to find than if you know. Then, like Vincent, you legitimately have to. There's like a fucking puzzle you have to solve, fight a boss, and then you get the means to unlock where he is. Yeah, it's a fucking process. Huh. He's cool though. I yeah, I really like Vincent, and I really liked him in Advent Children. He's one of the best parts of Advent Children, I think. Yeah. But that's because Advent Children, they took a really, like, very emo direction with a lot of the characters, which, like, I know... It's, in it's, particular, very, it's in, very, like, time correct. Cause... In, in particular with Cloud, which I can understand, because like, I, I was super, like, eh, about Cloud's character in Advent Children, but somebody did kind of bring up the idea that he's dealing with the guilt of having been involved in Aerith dying, and seeing her die and her dying in his arms yeah so he still hasn't quite gotten over that guilt so i cut him some slack after that where i was like okay you know what i can see just being kind of in a bad mental place when somebody that you care about that much and who is willing to do so much for you and everybody yeah dies in your arms i i i'll cut him some slack he he he's allowed to be sad and feel guilty yeah. about that like i don't I, there wasn't much he could have done at that point because he's getting fucking controlled by genova cells and plus sephiroth fucking murders her but plus tifa says like it's okay <laughs> uh it, it wasn't your fault at all yeah and then it just took the point when he gets the the, the brief contact with the the life stream is made and then he gets to I guess kind of see, but also just kind of gets to hear Aerith's voice where she forgives him or tells him there was never anything to forgive, really. Yeah. But just that lets him know it's okay to move on. Yeah. That yeah. So yeah, I mean, like the the conclusion of the movie is solid, and I think it was just for a lot of people they were like, "That's not Cloud. Cloud doesn't act like that. That's weird. This is a weird movie. I don't know," because Cloud is definitely more smart assy and and fucking makes witty remarks at people yeah. and kind of pokes and jabs and just <laughs> yeah. yeah which is fun I, I actually love that they kept that for the remake that they didn't go that the other route because there's been like in kingdom hearts when he appears he's very kind of monotone and very dark and mysterious and very edgy you have to beat me in the Coliseum. God, I, I, yeah, I, I need to get back to playing that game too. Yeah, Fuck. um, it's it's just yeah, he, they made him very edgy in Kingdom Hearts, yeah. and it's just kind of funny because you think about Cloud in the remake, and he gets fucking cross dressed, and in the original too, like the, he fucking cross dresses, like yeah. <laughs> it's just a, you know that's that's not a thing that an edgy character does. He gets into some really wacky shit 
regardless, you know, the plot causes it, but at the same time, like, he goes along with it really, really easily. <laughs> There's not a whole lot of resistance from Cloud. Partially, I think, because he just doesn't know how to say no, but at the same time... Yeah, like, I see that too, and I'm also seeing, like... And also, just, Aerith doesn't take no for an answer in yeah. a lot of cases, which, yeah. It, it, that can come across sounding really bad, but in this case, it's most it's very innocent, but it's just funny. Yeah. Like, I, I just, I love their dynamic. Like, the, the whole bit for that middle part of the game with Cloud and Aerith just teaming up is just so fun to me. Yeah. And yeah, they're, they're trying to get to Tifa, and then it's actually a point that sort of leans into the idea that it is not actually a, a full or a, a remake in the sense of just a reboot. Because it seems like Aerith, both Aerith and Sephiroth seem to have their memories of the original game. Yes. So there's a lot of points where Aerith just kind of immediately know, acts like she knows people. Where she's just like, her and Tifa in the original game are kind of... I, like, I won't say they, they have friction between them, but at the same time, they're not super friendly to each other. Okay. I don't know. If you, I don't know if you had the two of them in your party before, but it's just like... They get along, but it just seems like there's... Some awkwardness. Obviously, there's both of them have feelings for Cloud is kind of the yeah. thing. But if you oh, notice... Are, the, are, are you talking in the remake? No, I'm even talking in the original. Like, oh. They have... Because when you have people in your party, you, still, you, know, you get them interacting with Cloud and each other as the scenes are going on. And it's just... Yeah, you can feel that there's tension between them. Huh. Whereas if you think about the remake, they become friends very quickly. Yeah. And I think that it is actually because Aerith is just... She already knows Tifa, so she knows how to be friends with Tifa. Yeah. But even beyond that, I just actually just really enjoyed that they had a, a nice dynamic. Because who really wants to watch girls be catty over the guy that they are attracted to? Yeah, that's I, I, I don't. It's yeah. yeah, it's such an overplayed trope. And yeah. just, I like that they get to be their own characters. Yeah. And they get to... Like, they have their moment where they, like, Tifa kicks the shit out of the dudes and Aerith smacks the dude with the chair and, like, they just, they have their, their badass moments. And then even beyond that, they have their moments of just talking about stuff. Yeah. And I don't know. I just, I, I just, I love the way that the characters in this game interact with each other more. Yeah. You get to see everybody interacting with each other. I, and I just, I just really appreciate on how, like, intimate you get to be with each character yeah and like it doesn't like it doesn't feel too forced no it normally in game like i can't think of a fucking game maybe lost odyssey when you're forced to be with uh not your wife but with the kids uh-huh that kind of felt like force like oh you have to care for these characters i suppose i it's been so long since i played yeah, it it's, for sure for me to really comment well, on the writing yeah like at the time but, of me playing that it felt like that mm -hmm. maybe if i play it again maybe it would feel more natural maybe it'll feel more natural mm -hmm. but playing final fantasy 7 or playing the remake like everything's feeling they feel like people yeah because you're you're 
you end up in a situation where you're stuck with one person. Yeah. And, and, and you have that bonding and then you, moment. You have that little bonding moment as they're like going through stuff and they're doing all these like random encounters and they're like, yeah. oh man, that kind of sucks shit. And being like, forced oh, yeah. to work together to, yeah, to get so through they're, everything. They're doing like this. Yeah. They're doing the small talk in between. Yeah. It's kind of feeling like, okay. I see, and, I, and because, I see where this shit is going. And because they do that too, because they can have that throughout the gameplay and it doesn't interrupt the gameplay. Yeah. It works better than in the original, I think, because the original, if you're going to have dialogue, you have to stop all of the action. Yeah. And so that can get very annoying for the player when it's a limit of the technology at the time, whereas yeah. now now we, you have the means where you can get stuff like that. Yeah, now we have a badass computer that we're playing everything on. Yeah. yeah. Whether it's a console or, or not, it's basically a computer. So, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, so, like... Because you can have that small talk as you're doing stuff, I think that helps yeah. to endear the characters to you, to help you, the, the player, form that bond with the characters. And, yeah, I think that's actually an, an integral part of it. And it almost does help that Cloud is kind of this emotionless wall in a lot of cases, because you see him starting to open back up Yes, as the, yeah. the, the story is going, which it... That's why I say like his his arc is definitely more streamlined in the remake because obviously Midgar in the original is only like two hours and that's if you're Dude, taking your time. So so, so like, you you know where you know where I ended at? I ended right at the end of the remake. Oh, okay. So right as you're leaving Midgar, right so, as Midgar so literally gets destroyed, mm-hmm. and they're like, I forgot what the fuck they were saying, but. They're like, we need to go. <laughs> yeah, so literally for you, you are just about to leave Midgar yeah. and go to Calm. That's the next village where you'll get Cloud to begin his exposition. Oh, home. shit. But yeah, like it, it's just it's a whole thing that I think that the the modern ability to to add things like that, the small talk and the small character interactions and even just like. For, for Cloud and Aerith, like, the little cutscenes where, like, he catches her after she falls off the building. Yeah. That. Just those those little things help because it's just... They're, they're quick. Yeah. But they give so much of each character. Yeah. Where she's fucking teasing him and, and shit-talking him, and then she falls and he catches her and she's my hero. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. They do so much to endear Aerith to you in the first fucking... 20 minutes of meeting her, I think. And it doesn't feel forced at all. She just comes across as just this nice person who's sweet and just doesn't fucking let Cloud get away with anything, and I love it. Because everybody else is kind of... I mean, Barrett just kind of fucking strong arms him and says, whatever, I don't fucking care about you. But Tifa is kind of walking on eggshells around him. Yeah. And there's a reason for that, but... Which I guess I kind of already spoiled, but basically she's having to deal with trying to keep this sort of fantasy in his head alive because she isn't sure what's going actually going on with him. Yeah. So she doesn't want to cause like a, a psychic like a psychotic break in him basically. So that's why in the remake there's points where he'll say something and she's just kinda like, Yeah, that's right. I'm sure you yeah. had to have noticed a couple points where yeah, she she almost is a little shifty about things. And if you didn't know you'd be thinking is Tifa like a traitor or is she fucking shifty or what's going on with Tifa? But it's actually 
there's something up with Cloud. She knows there's something up with Cloud, and she just has no idea how to deal with it. So she's doing the best she can. Huh. Yeah, that, that's literally why there's those points where Tifa seems a little dodgy or a little questionable about things, where she just looks very confused and concerned about something that Cloud said. That if you have no previous knowledge of it, you're like, why is she being that way? Because Cloud is kind of like, why is she being that way? And so, yeah, it's a thing that I really like because it's a touch that's there. And it's it's kind of there in the original game for sure, but it's not as obvious. Yeah. And so this this makes Tifa feel like a much more consistent character. Yeah. And I will say, like, I love Tifa. She's great. She's just such a sweet person. Like, yeah. As much as as I say that Aerith is a sweet and wholesome person, Tifa is Tifa's just got mom energy. That's the best way I can describe yeah. it. Because <laughs> she's like she's always taking care of she's, everybody. She is so caring and yeah. so so wholesome in so many ways. And yeah. Just, other than being just an absolute badass with her fists, but she's just yeah. She's so soft spoken and just kind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's there's a hell of a lot more we could talk about, but I think that we've kind of hit yeah. those notes. And then so my 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 next bit that I wanted to talk about, and this could I mean I'm probably I could talk about this forever, but uh the music. Oh, Dude, I, I don't know how you do with like listening to music as you're playing the game too much because I know that like boss music and stuff like that. Like for me, a lot of the time, the first time I fight a boss, the music is not a priority for me. It isn't until later that I go back and play something that the music will really like kick in. But FF7 remake, I mean, the original game has fucking amazing music. Especially considering that it was made on a goddamn synthesizer. Yeah. <laughs> but the the remake just takes so many of those songs and makes them into the orchestral pieces that they could have been. Um, or that maybe they were in, in Nobuo Ematsu's head at the time. Because he didn't actually do the music for the game. It's just the original score is by him. And so the, the composers for the remake took those songs and then just took them to the next level you could say but there's some of them that i actually think that the original is better but yeah like as far as for you any any impressions on the music for the game like yeah so i am one of those people who whenever they play a game they listen to their own music ah so i could give a shit about the soundtrack <laughs> but everybody who talks about final fantasy Oh, the mu- the music is the music is key one like yeah it's a key point that they always say or like bring up so everybody knows the Sephiroth song of even, course even I even I knew it yeah and, the one winged angel yeah so I like I could all I need to do is hear the yeah yeah Estons Imperius Ira Vehementi Sephiroth yeah it's like fucking uh. Like ardent rage is apparently one of the, the the Latin like lyrics leading into that. So yeah, like fucking oh yeah, that that song is just yeah pure fucking military. It's kind of got the military march feel, and it is just it, you can feel it's it's there. Yeah, and I guess Uematsu was really proud of that song because 
uh, he made all of the music so that it would preload on the internal memory of the PlayStation 1. The internal memory was only 4 megabytes. God damn. But what it did was that when you're fighting Sephiroth, so you'll get to experience this eventually, because he has multiple phases, when you shift into the phase that actually has One-Winged Angel playing, there's a loading screen, like a black loading screen in between the two phases. The song starts playing before the screen uh, is done loading, because it's in the internal memory. Huh. So that's one of the reasons the song is so iconic, is because the phase is shifting and suddenly you're starting to hear this fucking kind of scary like yeah, it's, it's like it, you're like what the fuck's going on you're like i i won wait oh fuck what's and then you know then the choir kicks in and you're like fuck what's going on man yeah yeah so i guess uematsu was very proud of that 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 worked out so well but yeah the oh dude the music is so fucking yeah, good so this is one of the first final fantasy games that I actually listen to the music. I Ugh. I put down, I put my phone to the side. I didn't even have any headphones in. I just took, like, immersed myself into the mm. game. And I was listening to the music, and wow. Like, it, it is really good. It's And it's so big for setting the tone, right? Yeah. Because if, if you're playing- even, even playing, um, I think my second Final Fantasy game, playing through... If you play 10 First, again, or if you ever do want to go through 10, I'll also listen to the music for that. Yeah. Uh, music for 10 is great. And then as you're playing 14, definitely listen to the music. Yeah, I've been I've been listening to the music uh, as I've been playing 14. Which you're not at the best music yet, but it's still pretty pretty good. Pretty, pretty yeah. good. I will say that I think Soken, who's the, Masayoshi Soken, who's the composer for FF14, is definitely worthy of the title of being Uematsu's successor. Because hmm. that man is... He's got that same sort of crazy genius that Uematsu had of being able to take rock elements or elements of other genre and then mixing into that with, like, symphony-level orchestration. Yeah. And doing it masterfully. But, nevertheless, I'm sorry. Go oh, ahead. Uh, yeah, so... Final Fantasy Fifteen was probably ah. the only game, only Final Fantasy game that I played by myself, mm-hmm. and I remember playing some parts and like the music just affected me, like especially at the end, mm-hmm. whenever they had that Florence and the Machine oh, cover. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was like, "Whoa, holy shit, this is big!" So Which... while I was playing the remake, I let myself listen to the music and then take in all the scenes and it is probably one of the first times that in a while that I've been able to appreciate the soundtrack of a game. Oh yeah. It's, I, it's stellar. I yeah. don't know how else to describe Like it's just so fucking Cause, good. Cause before this, uh, uh, it was Final Fantasy 15 kind of had a okay soundtrack. It was okay. And it, then it, I guess I'm going to have probably not even that hot of a take, because I know that 15 is kind of uh, lambasted by most of the FF fan base. Yeah. 15 was fine, but I will say its its soundtrack was forgettable for me. I don't remember yeah, much I, of it, other I than, only, I guess, the Florence and the Machine cover of yeah. Stand By Me. But generally, most of 15's music, I don't remember. And I, I've heard that there are some good songs, I just don't, don't remember yeah. them. 
It just none of it stuck. Whereas there are songs from seven, there are songs from ten, there are songs from fourteen. I mean, well, fourteen currently has songs that if I hear it, it actually brings tears to my eyes. But that's a whole other reason. But ten, ten and seven both have songs that I hear and I get fucking goosebumps. Yeah, I, I have it the entire song because I just they're nostalgic. Well, ten is nostalgic, but also just beautiful. And then seven just has these songs that just fucking they t- they hit you. Yeah. And then you, you also have songs like Under the Rotting Pizza, which is just fucking a banger. <laughs> like, there's a couple songs that I'll have you listen to after we're done that I just mm-hmm. want to be like, well, I'll, I want you to listen to some, like, the original and then the the remake one because they're, you can just see the, the where the original was and what it wanted to be. And then in a lot of cases, what the, the remake did to make it what it could be. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just. I'll do that. The music is so fucking good. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there are very few games that, if you say the game, then I'll have the soundtrack pop or I'll associate it with the sound. Final Fantasy VII is one of those games where I hear the loading or the loading screen or the title screen. The title screen. The. <laughs> of course. Yeah. That's the prelude of light. That is in every Final Fantasy game. That's that is the is it? Yep, that is the title music of every Final Fantasy game. Yeah. Oh, dude, the prelude. It's a little different in every game, but it is the same music in every game. That's one of those huh. tracks that will give me chills every time I hear it because it's just a yeah. It, it if you if you look it up, you can hear it in tens opening music or it's a uh, title screen music. It's it's fourteens title screen music for the original as uh-huh. well as when you first create your character in fourteen. That's the prelude of light is playing is you're like right after you finished creating your character and you're first entering into the world when you're talking to or the 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 giant crystal is talking to you. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh the prelude of light is playing there. Oh, huh. but yeah, it goes all the way back to FF1. That was the title of screen music for FF1. Oh. Funny thing is apparently Uematsu wrote that in like 10 minutes because <laughs> it was like a last minute and he was like, "Fuck, we don't have title screen music." And he wrote that and it has become so fucking iconic. Yeah, I I hear that. Well, like Final Fantasy VII, I hear that, and I also hear the fucking Chocobo song. <laughs> yeah. Which I don't I don't know if did it start in seven? No, it's been around since. Who's that there? It's I think it's four or five. Really, the first time. It's one of those. It's one of the early games where you, the first time you get to write chocobos. Um, so it's yeah, it's been around for a long time. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's just it's another little bit of iconic music for for FF that you've got the uh, the chocobo song, huh. and then oh yeah, I mean there's it's one of those little things that is kind of a holdover, but it's a staple of the series. Yeah. But yeah, for like for me, seven. I when I think of the music, I think of. There's, um, I mean, bombing mission is one that I think of, which is like in the intro. It's the, like the intro cutscene starts mm-hmm. with bombing mission. I think of uh, those who fight and those who fight further. Which are, those who fight is the combat music, and then those who fight further is in particular the, uh, was it the airbuster music? They're very much intertwined, but they're slightly different. Airbuster the boss, and then. 
That was the one where you fought where it was like it had the little detachable arms that came oh. off, and like it was oh. the big fight right before Cloud falls into the church with Aerith. Yeah, and then of course Aerith's theme, which is just such a beautiful song. Yeah, and it's so like that is a song that just because it is pl- it, it plays when she dies in the original game. <laughs> It just becomes associated with so much heartbreak. Well, yeah. So, because so, it is already li- listening to it in the remake, it it's kind of sad, isn't it? Yeah. I, while I was listening to it, I'm like, man, this is kind of like a lament. It's well, it's it's such a, a sweetly sad song, and it's it's it actually is a very good encapsulation of Eris' character. Yeah. When you really kind of take the step back and look at everything she does and in, in what she is, the song is such a fitting theme for her, and then. Like it's one of those songs that just gives me chills or goosebumps because it just it plays when she gets stabbed by Sephiroth, and then there's a boss fight like directly after that cutscene, and you don't get combat music; you just get her theme throughout that whole fight, and it just hurts. Wow! And then yeah, and it just keeps playing, and it's just and it's so sadly hopeful. Yeah. And so even though she's dying, there's a whole, what she did with the last of her life that is important. And yeah, it just, it hurts. And so considering that she is my favorite character, it just makes it even worse now. But yeah, I love her song, even though it's one of those, it's one of those sweet pains, I guess you could say, where you're like, it, it just, it tugs at your heart. And even though it's, it stings, it still is just a beautiful thing. And then like. One of the things too is like the just the main theme of the game, which is present in a lot of the songs actually, because uh, Uematsu loves to use motifs, so he'll have a certain song like theme. So like uh, when you when you do eventually exit Midgar in the original game, there's sort of the overworld music, which is kind of the main theme of the game. But when you get the airship, it's that same music, but it's sped up. And it's kind of arranged a little different. Huh. And like as you get further in, the music gets a little more sinister as things are going bad for the world. But it's still the same song. It's just the tone is so different. Huh. So yeah, uh, it's it's kind of awesome how that Uematsu just would play with the the like sort of the, the tone of the song to change the feel entirely, and yet it's using the same sort of motif of notes to get that same or to get to have the same song yet totally different feel from it. Huh. Yeah. And then of course One Winged Angel is just fucking iconic. Like, yeah. There there's nobody who has even heard of Final Fantasy VII, I think, who is not at least somewhat familiar with Sephiroth, and then it's probably not a huge leap to that they may have heard his theme. Yeah, you know, it's kinda wild now that Today, it would be really common if you played One Wing Angel, at least one four-year-old is going to shoot a look. Oh, they're going to be like, what? Sephiroth? Yeah. <laughs> I love him. He is... Like, or he... Fuck that guy. He's the worst. Yeah. Like... Yeah. It, it's wild on how much of an impact that has on people to where they know that fucking song. And oh, yeah. They're saying, oh, Sephiroth. Oh, yeah. It's crazy how that it's one of those things that has become such a, a cultural touchstone. Yeah. I guess you could say it definitely is just one of those big turning points in 
in the way that I guess the West has come to perceive stuff out of Japan. Yeah. Yeah, it's just ah, I fucking love the music. Yeah. I, I mean, I love the music in pretty much all of the Final Fantasy games, so it's not a big leap for me. But I was just, I, I there's times where I'll just sit there and listen to the soundtrack. Don't even have to be playing the game or anything. I'll look it up on YouTube. If I'm, like, wanting to do something, there's times where I'll just fucking turn it on. Or I'll try to fall asleep to it or just... I don't know. I just enjoy it. I'm finding myself to do that a lot more now. Mm -hmm. Mostly with Final Fantasy soundtracks. So, so Plane 14 isn't bad for me. um, Just because... Normally, I listen to my own music. Right. But sometimes I just want stuff that there's, like, no words, just whatever. Um, I think I grew out of my EDM phase (laughs) and all that shit. So listening to something more, I don't know, I guess more orchestrated. Or, or, yeah, or I was going to say, like, environmental, too. Yeah. Because a lot of the, especially in, like, the zone music for pretty much all of 14 is very understated. Yeah. Like, because cutscenes will generally have more music that's a little suited to this cutscene, because holy fuck does that game use music very, very integrally with the story. As Especially as you get further and deeper into the game and into the expansions, holy fuck is the music really important. Mm. Uh, like I, I cannot say it enough that as you get deeper into fourteen, keep the music on and keep listening to it because yeah. it's important. I mean, there's a, a whole bit that they do in the very last section of Endwalker. I'm not going to spoil anything about the game or anything, but they play with the music in the zone, the last zone, as things are happening in the, the story, and it it works so very well. And to the point where now I hear that song. It's one of the songs that brings tears to my eyes listening to it. Mm. Because of the context of the song in the game. Mm. Like, the, the song itself is, like... I don't even want to say it's, like, generic rock. Because it kind of is, but at the same time, like... It's almost like a ballad, maybe you could say. Okay. Which you would think, like, if I played it for you now, you'd be like, this brings tears to your eyes. This is so kind of sappy and just... But with context of the story... Oh, it fucking pulls at my heart, man. Yeah. So it is one of those things where I can say, like, the music makes these games so much better. It, it is so important for making the, the tone of whatever scene is going on so important. It's so big, so much more touching, so much more impactful. And I there's some bosses that to a degree in 14, but it much more so in like seven that I can recognize by their, their boss music. Oh, Genova is one that I can think of. That's one that I actually kind of want to play for you after we finish because the remake does something really fun with it. But, hmm. but yeah. And so my last thing was just, uh, your score. What would you, what would you give it? Oh, I would give it probably 10 out of 10. 9 out of 10. Somewhere around there. 9.5. It, I, I agree. It's, yeah. In the, much like Elden Ring, it's one of those games that is just... 
really damn good. Yeah, it, it's just it's one of those games games where usually I'm thinking about other shit mm-hmm. all the time. All the time I'm thinking about something else, like oh shit, something gonna happen, blah blah. Right, right, right. Yeah. So this was one of the few times where I got into a game and all you could think about was the game. All I could think about was the game. I, I, it lured me in. It it drew you. It, in. Yeah, it, it it drew me in. <laughs> and so, it immersed you yeah. in a new world. Yeah. So I For wasn't sure. thinking about what's going on outside, what's going on in my life at the time. It's a game that you, you literally you you got some escapism. Yeah, you got some actual yeah. escapism. Yeah, I got some escapism, which is fucking hard for me mm-hmm. to do while playing games. That that is one, I understand. That is one huge reason why I stopped playing story driven games. That's fair. Like God of War. If they're if they're not a well told story. Yeah. And I mean that's definitely an arbitrary thing that or subjective thing that it may not be. It may be a well told story to some and less so to others so i'm not gonna it's not a i guess like attack on god of war or anything but just some stories are just not as immersive to some as they are to others yeah like people get people could get immersed into any sort of game but for sure for me it's it really has to work for it or really it really has to they really have to establish and get the characters to become somebody yeah that, they they feel like people to you. Yeah, that I fucking care about. Yeah, which is like I, I I've been and, I've been so cynical towards playing games that like oh whatever it's just it's the little moments. Yeah, it's, it, it's always the little moments where you just get a quiet moment with the characters that will make you yeah more attached to them. Yeah, and so it's one of the reasons why I think that you're going to love fourteen. Oh yeah, because I, I think you've you've already said that you you like it. But you're in A Realm Reborn, and A Realm Reborn is not bad. I will never say it's bad, but it is the... It's like, you, you ever look at like a really, really nice, fancy building mm-hmm. and think to yourself, man, that foundation is fucking beautiful. It's so cool. I love it. No. no. that's ARR is that, that foundation for the beautiful building. It's great. It sets... The building, it, you know, it is the, the foundation. It's what everything is built on. But it's kind of, it's just a foundation. It's nice, but it's yeah. it, it's functional. Yeah. As soon as you start to hit, when you hit Heaven's Word, is the point where the building actually starts. Hmm. Stormblood is kind of like there's, it's it's like the, the, the bathroom. <laughs> it's not the best part of the building, but it's there. It's nice. It's functional. It does, yeah. it does, it does a pretty good job. And then you hit Shadowbringers and just fucking the, 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 the flying buttresses and the spires and all of that shit is just, it's everywhere. And you're like, oh my god, this is amazing. And then Endwalker is just like, this the space elevator it just keeps fucking getting better. Hmm. I, yeah, it's a really fucking terrible metaphor, I know. But it's just the general point of like, it it gets so much better. I know, we're, we're getting into a tangent on FF14 here. Yeah. We can call it here. I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'll probably end up having to cut this out. But yeah, we we'll talk about that later. It's fine. Yeah, we'll we'll do a. <laughs> we'll, we'll we I plan for us to do probably a few episodes on FF14. Yeah, because like, once you finish a Realm Reborn, I figure we can do that. Get your your thoughts. Yeah, my my then... my whole entire situation with Final Fantasy 14 now is 
finding the time for me to let myself get immersed in it. That's fair. Yeah. Because, yeah, I just I just need to find the time to let myself get immersed in it, which I have a very addictive personality. So once <laughs> I start doing something, then I gotta I gotta do it a lot. Very. Like fucking, I, I beat the remake. Right. First thing I do is I buy a digital copy of Advent Children. Mm-hmm. Then I start looking up shit about Final Fantasy VII story. Then right, I buy right, it. Right. Final Fantasy VII on the marketplace, yeah. and I started playing that a little bit, and then I do what I do with everything. I get a little tired, and then I'll... And then you find something new, and it yeah, sucks you in. Yeah, and then, and then I, yeah. I get sucked in, so... Yeah. But I keep everything in rotation, weirdly. League of Legends mm-hmm. is one of those poisons that will never leave my body. <laughs> um, so I, I'm constantly playing League of Legends whenever I have free time. Just a tactic or team fight tactics, and yeah, like I, I'll, every now and then I'll boot up my PlayStation and I put away Elden Ring for a little bit. I like to lag on beating the final bosses of everything, <laughs> so I put away Elden Ring. I did play a little bit of Final Fantasy VII to see where I'm at. I mm-hmm. got my ass beat by a house. Ah, so yeah, the Hell yeah, House. Yeah, <laughs> yeah which isn't that that reintroduction. Of that into the remake. Yeah, it really fucking, fucking pisses me off that. Fucking hilarious though, right? Yeah, it really fucking pisses me off that that's just... Ra- that, that's just, normally just like some just random... A, a en- random enemy? Yeah. Yeah. And then or, they made it a whole entire big deal. Oh my god, yeah. Dude, I fucking loved it. But that's just yeah. because it's, it's it, it, so ridiculous. It made sense in the remake to me. For sure. It did. Um, I mean, there's like the... Uh, when you're in the train graveyard, and there's like the crazy chariot boss yeah that's a regular enemy in the original really yeah you can find it oh pretty much actually we'll put it this way every enemy you find in the remake is in the original game oh they are all enemies that are in the original game oh yeah that's why i say there's so many fucking details in this game yeah that like literally like even the, the guys in like shinra hq like the ones who are like in the fucking roller skates they're in the they're in the original yeah, if you go back and look at the enemies at, in the Shinra HQ in the original game, you'll see them. You'll be like, oh. Or, like, the dudes who have, like... Yeah, I think it's, it's it might be the same guys where you, like... They have, like, the armor on, I think, and then you break the armor, and then they're, like... Oh, yeah, the... Yeah, those are enemies in the original game. Like, oh, dude, it's crazy. Like, that's why I say that there's so much of playing the original that makes the remake better. Yeah. But then there's so much of the remake that play, makes playing the original even better, too, because yeah. you can start to see the one-to-ones and just all of the things, and it just becomes this just this really enjoyable thing where you see how much love was put into both games. That is a thing that is yeah, obvious. It's, it's it's that little shit like that that I also get addicted to, and I start looking into more. Oh, of course. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, like... Right, right now... To talk more about my addictive personality, we're on a break for One Piece. Uh huh. Yeah, it's like a two weeks. I think. Yeah, I saw that break coming. Or something like that. Yeah, well, Maybe I'm wrong. Or is it one week? It might just be a week. It's gonna be. We had the release last week. Yeah. Then we got on break this week. Yeah. Then we get a release next week. Right. Then we go on the break again. Break again. Mm-hmm. Then we go on two releases. Then I think it's and like then, Golden Week or some shit like that. Yeah, I don't know. 
Yeah, I don't know. So we go on another break. But I read all those breaks coming up, and I was like, fuck that. So I started rewatching One Piece. Fair because enough. I, yeah. This is why I don't gamble. This <laughs> well, is why I don't fucking gamble. The only thing fair. I gamble in is playing TFT and playing the win or lose comps. You wonder why I always go for the weird gimmick stuff. Chris, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't wonder. Yeah. So there's not much that you do anymore that I really wonder about. I'm just kind of like, yeah, it's Chris. Yeah. So in the same vein as wacky shit happens in one piece. And I'm like, yeah, it's one piece. Yeah. It's I the same. like it's the I, same. But nevertheless, yeah, I think I think we've talked talked plenty. Yeah, I think I think we talked enough. All right. So I think this is going to do it for this episode of Manitapped. My name's Chris. And I'm Kurt. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye.